And welcome back to Infinity Circuit Radio. My name is Alex. Hey, and I'm Wes. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, 11th edition is not yet upon us, so uh, we've met our release goals. (laughs) (laughs) Exceeding them, some might say. Wow, we are amazing, I tell you what. (laughs) Yeah, on a roll. Yeah, I mean, passion for the game is at an all-time high right now, at least for 9th edition. Like, uh... Arcs of Omen has really got me pumped to uh, just sort of enjoy this, the wind down of Ninth Edition, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to play another game. I have not gotten a game in since we recorded last, but that deadline is fast approaching for the game uh, with me and my brother, so I have been hobbying away. How about you, bud? Uh, so I've actually been on rehab this week, so that's bit, I was expecting to have lots of time in between, but it's been really busy, so uh uh, mine's been more virtual, just uh, just chats between yourself and my, my buddy Kit. Both of you are keeping me honest on uh, on hobby at the moment. Oh, really? What, uh, now, this is Kit from Ghosts of the Webway? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Cool, yeah. Uh, very cool dude. Uh, what's he been up to? What's he saying about all these changes as a big Harlequins guy? So He's uh, he, he's like me, actually. I think he's more excited about the, the craft world combos at the moment. So, uh, yeah, he's pretty much riding that wave really yeah yeah so I, I i don't know what it is but there's just a for me him and i, I guess many others actually just a bit of a sea change to, uh, back to the craft worlds yeah well isha's calling yeah oh in more ways than one i don't know if you guys <laughs> saw the latest tarot card releases but possibly some allusions to uh isha um i thought that was really interesting um yeah really cool I mean, I don't have any insight into the future of Eldari, but I was just thinking about it. Um, I just thought it was weird how, like, the sort of, like, Yanari storyline sort of stalled. Um, but I'm wondering if they're going to revive that as the narrative continues to push forward. And I was thinking about the other day on my drive down to work. Like, I don't think it would take away from the grim dark if there was, like, an Eldar god of death eldar god of life and then like an eldar god of war yeah you know that that would be really cool actually i would be into it they they seem they seem to be cranking that i think my position is a bit it's been a bit level on the narrative i'm hoping going into 10th that they really crank that handle a bit more and especially for the aldari because we've not really had anything that interesting happen since the um or since eighth hit really yeah which is which is really disappointing. I mean, the narrative in general is sort of just stalled since yeah. Gilliman came back, and I love all of the like Indominus era Crusade stuff. Like, I, I think all of that stuff has been absolutely righteous. So, yeah. the Arcs of Omen lore. I just actually listened to the. Uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to Baltimore on yeah. YouTube. Gentle it, listeners. Yeah, I mean, I love that guy. Um, and he did his Arcs of Omen, Abaddon lore breakdown. And I'm really excited. Whoever this new guy is that's doing the lore, I think is doing a really good job. Yeah, they, it does seem to be a, a, a dramatic shift in terms of what they've been doing. It's great. Really excited for it. And look forward every week to that new, the new release that they've got for the Arcs of Omen tarot cards. What yeah. a great way to do it. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, Only one thing to make it better is the, the runes of the Farseer. But, yeah, I yeah. know. 
You know what I've been thinking though? I, I'm wondering if like this Arcs of Omen thing is going to be like an ongoing sort of narrative point from like a chaos perspective where if they're sort of operating off of these, you know, gigantic space hulks as their sort of launching point uh, throughout the galaxy, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, there's no reason why they couldn't sort of continue this all the way through Temp. Yeah, this is like a new narrative beat for chaos. Is this is like how they're operating, almost like a chaos craft world in a lot of ways. Yeah, I guess that's sort of taking the scene up into space as well, so you can do like more boarding actions. I I hope the whole boarding action thing isn't just like a a flash in the pan thing now that it does you know continue into into tenth edition and actually into the game as a whole. I do too. I really do. I think that would be great. Um, and, you know, if, if Crusade continues, like I've heard rumors about uh, how Crusade is going to continue to roll out. I guess it's going to be more like Age of Sigmar. We'll have to wait and see. Whatever that is, like Triumph and Tragedy. I can't remember what they call it in AOS. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, I, I play quite a bit of it. and it, it's, it's good fun. I quite, like, quite enjoyed it. Yeah. So... Like, one of the things I really like about narrative play, just in terms of building your list, is, like, I guess more like your collection, like, in terms of, like, hobby priorities, is being, having, like, a flexible collection that can thrive in different mission types. Yeah. And having stuff that's good in boarding action, I think is really cool. Yeah, I really agree, actually. And it, it it's just a bit of a palate cleanser as well. And it just yeah. allows you to play... Play in different ways. I, I think we chatted the other day. Like the the dream for me is to play a battle, gothic uh, f- fight, and then do a boarding action, and the spaceship crashes down to the ground, and do a sort of kill team uh, thing, and then build into a forty k game, and then going on to a massive apoc game would be like hey, the word I'd love to play. Yeah, me too. And I think I think a lot of people that's sort of what they want out of narrative play is just that kind of support for thematic link missions. Not all like that crazy granularity that Crusade has now. I mean, that's fine if you want it. I, don't, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, if you're like me, and I think most people who play Warhammer, we play like once a month. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. And there's a lot of exciting things going on right now. I'm super stoked. And I mean, even just for the end of Ninth Edition, not like the stuff that's to come, I'm really excited to play um, because the armies that I have like available to play against, like my local opponents, my brother, the guys in my gaming group, all the stuff they have is good. And so yeah. I, I'm sort of highly inspired right now to put together good and interesting lists. And Craftworld Eldar are a really good spot right now. I think Harlequins Andrew Kari are a pretty decent spot too. Yeah, so looking at it, I think uh, I watched the Meta Watch uh, video this week. I'm not sure if you did too, but... Um... The meta's fairly balanced right now. That might be uh, a misrepresentation, maybe, of uh, information, but for my 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 view, it looks pretty balanced across the board. Yeah, that 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 video uh, was. I mean, I think it was like they're taking like a two week stretch of data. I don't know if you caught that. Um, so it's not very representative, and I hope they're lies, not... damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> yeah. I hope they're not making like balancing decisions made off of that, but I think all things considered, uh, like I was looking through 40k stats on Goonhammer, and yeah, the game's in a decent spot right now. Um, 
I think Space Marines are definitely just being carried by Iron Hands yet again, sort of a mirror of the end of Eighth Edition, uh, yeah. like due to the change in the doctrines and whatnot. Yeah, and, and that sucks because like I'd love to see like Imperial Fest, uh, Raven Guard, the sort of the uh, Codex Astartes chapters in a better spot. But at least you got a decent representation with Dark Angels, Blood Angels, uh, Space Wolves are still solid enough, uh, and Iron Hands. You know, four really you know solid chapters. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's really good to see actually. Um, yeah, it's taken a while to get to this sort of balance, but I think. Uh, the game's in a really good spot right now. Yeah. Ready for a new edition. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, I think we've been saying this ever since we started this show, but I think it's just, you know, when we were playtesting, like you, you, you had such a far view out in terms of like what was going to come. Yeah. Um, and with, you know, seeing most of the ninth edition codexes like all lumped together, you're like, yeah, these are all good against each other, and they are. It just took so long to get there. Yeah, because I think we were blessed in eighth edition because I think it was like twelve months and all books out. Yeah, and with this, well, we're we're in the twilight now. We're still we're still getting codexes, really, aren't we? So, um, yeah, it, so it was, it was long spread out. Uh, just meant that imbalance from. 8th edition books to 9th edition books just I think probably unbalanced the feel of the game. Yeah. Unfortunately. But uh, hopefully they've learned something from that and the rumors of there being like a hard reset for 10th edition are definitely good. But um, you know, I think now is probably a good time to get in there and you know, start getting your reps in so when 10th edition launches you know, you're good to go. Because I feel like a lot of the stuff that is coming out now is indicative of what things are going to look like down the road. Yeah, I'm I'm setting uh, coming up with a uh, a game plan of what models I'm going to paint between now and like I guess June July time is when they traditionally sort of drop, isn't it? So yeah, me too. I think I I've got so many things I want to do. Like uh, in fact, I've just been working on the new uh, new dreadnought and the uh, the missile space marine guys and. Uh, so yeah, it's just I get sidetracked. <laughs> so so I need to make a list and stick to it. So tenth edition ready. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now too. Because um, I I finished up the wave serpent I mentioned I was working on last time, and uh, I pulled out the last two hornets I have. And once those are done, then I got some wraiths, uh, some like ghost warrior stuff I need to do. I'm gonna do a wraith knight, two wraith lords. And that should be it for my Eldar for the time being. And uh, I just picks, picked up the uh, Beasts of Chaos uh, starter set with okay. with all the Beastmen, the Gores, and all that kind of stuff. And those are going to be the cultists or the, the jackals for my World Eaters. And, man, I know this, we're not... Uh, this isn't a World Eaters podcast, but I'm super excited for that army. I have like, I don't know, I'm just really excited about the sort of overall look of my World Eaters because I have some uh, War Dogs. Uh, yep. Then I have a Storm Eagle with 20 Berserkers inside and a Mauler Fiend and two Predators. And just like visually with the Beastmen, huge, like, you know, 
full representation of like 20 to 30 uh, berserkers. Uh, like I said, the beast men. It just looks like grim dark as hell. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to see uh, to see what you do with that. In fact, just when we think about it. You talk about not being at all these parts podcast but brian's got woody's podcast doesn't he well i mean he's got his just sort of general 40k podcast which i really really love it's uh lost to the nails and he talks world eaters all the time on there <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah he loves it yeah they talk titanicus they talk uh 30k 40k and uh you know brian's definitely hyped for world eaters and i am too i'm excited to see what he's going to do with him because he has a really cool collection yeah yeah, it's cool. Uh, talk about new purchases. So uh, we've been going back and forth for a little while now about whether I'm going to buy a... Uh, so it's my 40th birthday this year. You probably can't tell by my, my young tones. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm going to... Uh, I think about buying a, a Cobra or a Scorpion. And we settled, I think, after a lot of back and forth that uh, it was going to be a Scorpion. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to break down the Scorpion today on the show because I definitely think uh, it's a unit worth talking about um yeah you know people I, I think like in a fun game you could definitely take a wraith lord uh wraith knight uh i mean i think you could just kind of take a wraith knight overall and if you're willing to take a wraith knight there's no reason not to take a scorpion so no except there's more to the story i uh i checked the forge world website last night and they're out of stock what so it might be a cobra. Oh, I think fate, man. Fate may have uh, cast its runes. Yeah, it may have forced your hand. Well, I mean, the cobra is definitely worth taking as well. I prefer the scorpion, um, yeah. but cobra is freaking serious. And with strands of fate, you can do some nasty stuff yeah. with the cobra, well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just need one of those bad boys to connect, don't you? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so it might, might be a Cobra at this point, so watch this space. So if, uh, I'm going to go to the Forge World store next week, and uh, we'll see what they've got. All right, well, I'll have to pull up the data sheet on the Cobra as we... Let, let's talk about the Cobra <laughs> when we talk about the Scorpion. Cool. So, yeah, what, let's, uh, let's get into it, because I think there's definitely viable targets for both of those units uh, coming up. So... Just for this episode, we're talking about, uh, call this episode, The Thousand Blades of Vol. And it's just about sort of looking at some of the, I think I think it's a good chance to revisit some of the lesser talked about data slates available for uh, Craftworld Eldar in this one. And uh, because the meta has definitely changed. Uh, World Eaters, Imperial Guard, like I don't, I think World Eaters are really, really good. I think they have the potential to be sort of A-tier army. Okay. Um, but I guarantee you there's going to be a huge representation of Imperial Guard uh, in this final Arcs of Omen season for 9th edition because Guard are freaking scary. Um, mm -hmm. And we've not really need to be tooled up for anti-tank uh, for most of ninth edition, I think it's been base uh, infantry di uh, driven edition. Whether yeah. it's heavy to medium infantry, um, so it's going to be interesting because custodies are a major, major contender. Custodies are freaking scary again. Yeah, they really are. And so are dark angels. So you're really going to need some heavy firepower. I think going into 
arcs of omen and uh yeah let's let's sort of talk about the the big contenders right now yeah so yes uh, dark angels are the first ones at the minute aren't they they were uh they're both close to our not quite as close to uh, our soul as Drakkar, uh, craftables are but uh dark angels are our next home boys really aren't they yeah i love dark angels they're there was like the first army i ever sort of collected and it's been so nice to see them doing well because i mean let's face it just like historically they've not been good um they're terrible through until i guess like ninth edition because eighth edition they were okay um the, the back end of seventh edition they were a little bit oppressive in parts because they used to get like yeah two plus re-rollable jinx saves and stuff i remember in fact i played a warhammer tv uh uh with with my dark angels and i, I had to apologize <laughs> really yeah i just had like the dark shroud stuff was doing the jinx saves and yeah it was just it was a bit crazy and they were the last codex codex of seventh edition like very very late i think they gave refunds actually to people in the beginning of eighth edition for the dark angels codex oh really i didn't yeah it's yeah i guess same for for worldies as this time around but yeah they've, they've they've done really well and i think the main change really is the the changes the doctrine so you're not having to change out in there so you can just stick in devastator doctrine which the raven wing really get nice boons out of that yeah i mean i've oh i thought raven wing were good to go like just because the game is so short turn one is so important i, I thought they were fine um but uh you know competitive players they want to squeeze every ounce of juice they can out of uh you know a faction and so these are those sort of tipping points for them but yeah uh manny chima uh was I guess like the sort of Dark Angels sort of dominated the meta like last week at uh, most of the big GTs, like, you know, 100, 200 player GTs and uh, Dark Angels right at the top. Manny Chimo is playing like Deathwing slash Ravenwing and uh, you got to be able to deal with like Terminators and bikes. And my God, those bikes are, whether you're playing the Primaris bikes or the black knights or just regular old Ra raven wing bikes they are tough and they hit extremely hard there's a lot of wounds there yeah yeah they, they are because the the jig they get they get extra saves as well if they um because they the invulnerable saves i think it's a five up if they move and four up if they advance yeah which is uh which is pretty gnarly actually that that means they can tank a lot of firepower and with the black knights with the plasma talons mm. I mean, the, that is some pretty ferocious firepower uh, and backed up by uh, Deathwing Knights. It's a very hard-hitting combination, very resilient, fast. Uh, you can be very reactive, especially with like all of your deep strikes and just the raw speed. So, you know, something you got to be aware of going forward. Yeah, because especially with the Inner Circle rules, well, I think they get uh, built-in transhuman. So yep. on a one, two, three, it doesn't damage them. So yeah, really, really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And just to sort of run down the other factions, like Blood Angels are very, very good. I, I mean, they won LVO. I, I know and that was sort of like using Nephilim rules, but they still have, with all the free war gear, like the fusion pistols, but Melta pistols, Inferno pistols, like yeah. they could get up to like 40 in your typical competitive it's list. Easy, yeah. Yeah, and they crush 
in combat, obviously. They're less durable because uh, Armor of Contempt is gone, but the offense is ridiculous, and they're very fast uh, with all their jump infantry. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. How about, uh, you, you mentioned Guard as well, are pretty powerful right now. I mean, Cassikins. People better get ready for Guard, man, because they are filthy. Uh, you got to be ready for... Kasserkins, which basically spam mortal wounds. They deep strike, they can reposition and just dump mortal wounds. And like the thing is, is like they cap out at six mortal wounds per unit targeted. But if they split fire, it, I mean, they could easily sort of on like two to three units potentially get six mortal wounds per unit. Yeah. Um, and some that they're melt mines, something to look out for as well. Yeah, they've got a lot of tricks. They're a sneaky little unit. They're cheap. Um, their offense is devastating. And especially for Eldar players, uh, a lot of times you're used to sort of dominating in the sort of like maneuvering aspect of the game. And with a combination of these deep striking Kassikins, the line of sight, ignoring fire from like manticores and basilisks and stuff like that they can sort of beat you at your own game um and then they've just got the lehman russes are so cheap they hit so hard and the rogal dorns as well i mean even bane blades like people want to just throw a bane blade in for fun it's a ton of armor you've got to deal with and balancing your list to deal with all of that uh, and these sort of like infantry heavy builds can be very challenging for craft world players. Yeah, and you you complain your brother's got a bit. What sort of things have you been taking to to, to counter him? Uh, it's challenging because you still have to deal with their infantry too. So you you got to try to get as many lances into your build as possible, and uh, that can be challenging because they can sort of pick up those. Uh, those Eldar vehicles relatively easily. So you got to just sort of balance, I guess like uh unit footprint in terms of, do you, can you hide all of these things? If you're not going turn one, um, do you have enough of them? If there's a lot of uh, artillery on the board, um, because like a unit of Vipers could get picked up by a Manticore really really easily um and if you're like well i'll just take more vipers do you have enough terrain <clears throat> to hide all of them because a lehman russ can also pick them up if they're out in the open with 72 inch range so you got to have sort of like a variety of looks and you also have to have uh anti-infantry choices as well because uh they could spam those uh, those infantry squads as well. Surely this is a point to, to advertise for Hornets? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like if I... I think like in a perfect world, I would take a mix of Hornets and Vipers. Uh, yeah. Like Vipers as like the cheap trading piece. Uh, Hornets as the sort of... Those are the ones that you slot to hide out of line of sight because they double the firepower of a viper and uh they have that minus one to hit so that's an additional um that's an additional layer of defense especially against artillery 
because due to the FAQ or the data slate balance, whatever it's called, it's minus one ballistic skill. So that will stack uh, yeah. with the Hornets native minus one to hit. So they're going to be hitting your Hornets on sixes. So that's like, that's a, that's a big advantage against yeah, Imperial definitely. Guard. So it, it's tricky. Uh, it's, my solution is definitely uh, vehicles. So Hornets, Lynx, Vipers, Warwalkers. Uh, it's just a matter of like managing your force org uh, slots. And we'll get into that as we start of like start to highlight the these uh these units we think are worth a second look but you got to be prepared for them and you know we've got some picks to sort of deal with that uh as we move on in the episode but yeah (laughs) (laughs) kane's gate is bursting (laughs) i think it's yeah it's it's been breached the mandrake's coming at this point But the other armies to definitely look out for, like I mentioned before, is Custodes, uh, Demons, and World Eaters. Uh, I definitely think World Eaters are going to sort of pick up where Chaos Space Marines are probably dropping off a bit. Um, yeah. I think Agron is really going to catch people off guard. Like, I think a lot of people dismissed him sort of out of the chute because he's a bit fragile. But with the Blood Tithe, he just keeps coming back. And if you stack your blood tithe boons properly, when he deep strikes, you're like you have bonuses to deep strike, so he can reliably make those charges after he dies. Yeah. So uh, I think blood, uh, world eaters are going to be like a heavy, like on medium infantry with uh, the berserkers and the eight bound. Yep. So. Again, you're going to have to have like a good balance of meat, like, you know, heavy infantry killing and uh, anti-tank, anti-monster. And I think Tyranids are going to still continue to thrive as well. So I think like going forward, you're looking for like heavy firepower uh, from your craft world. In addition to like the staples, like Howling Banshees and stuff like that. I think trying to find that heavy firepower... Uh, to support the huge suite of anti-infantry options, which are just sort of easy no-brainer choices for Craftworld. Yeah. That's going to be yeah, the trick. Yeah, things like Super Hawks, I guess, are still really good because the mortal wound output they've got and the maneuverability and stuff. So, yeah. Um, but but just looking for some more esoteric choices there that you get to for you to go with, I guess. Yeah, because your Dire Avengers, your Shroud Runners, your Wind Riders, your uh, you know all the uh, howling banshees and striking scorpions and swooping hawks. Those are all staples. You're going to be taking some of those units in some combination, no matter what. Those are your sort of core, and those are yeah. great anti anti infantry. But they like you need to support them with units that don't need any other kind of support to get the job done. Like those are great support units, but I feel like you need solid sort of unit deleters to support them. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Should, should, we, should we have a look at some ones you've, you've 
got listed and have a chat through those? Yeah, I think to sort of lead off too, uh, we had a listener question, like what do we think about Shroud Runners? And I think Shroud Runners are one of those units that people definitely need to start taking a look at because they set yeah. up the heavy hitters that we'll be talking about later on in the episode. Um, yeah, Shroud Runners are great. They are, for better or for worse, they're probably the go-to jet bike right now because they cost the same amount as wind riders they're crazy fast they've got a pre-game nine inch move uh they benefit from cover as if they were infantry uh and the sniper rifles i the sniper rifles are not to be ignored especially with guard coming up you could take out their characters very easily with them Yes, yeah, so well, for me, the, the biggest thing for these is, is the, the pre-game move and the, the flexibility you have with these guys because it's, it's huge. Yeah, and they're hitting on twos even with those scatter lasers too. Yeah, uh, even even if it's the bait and switch, like putting them out in the open and then giving them a move back into cover so they're out of the way and just things that I, I quite enjoy. Yeah, and the cool thing about them too is whereas you're using wind riders, you're gonna have to phantasm those wind riders if you want to keep them safe. And this is just, the, I mean, these guys give you points efficiency, movement shenanigans, and command point efficiency because you can phantasm like the rest of your army. And say you take three units of, of shroud runners. I mean, you you basically be redeploying up to six units. Yeah, and they hit on twos as well. Yeah, they're brutal. Yeah, which they're is really really good. Like, yeah. I I don't know how they've got the points for these the same as the uh, the Skyrunners. It just seems crazy. They should have given the uh, the Wind Riders a points break. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, in, in a world of uh, Skyrunners and Stride Runners, yeah, it's, it's Stride Runners every day. Yeah. Sadly, I mean, they're gorgeous models. I'm glad to see them doing well. And I think they fit a very interesting niche. I didn't really see, like, I mean, I saw the value in them, but uh, as time has gone on, like, I could see that they actually do carve out a very solid niche for themselves. Uh, the, the, uh, the redeploy with them is just huge. Yeah. Yeah. Just that, that's, that's the main thing for me. And just the, uh, I guess, secondary to that is the, the BS2 is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, just really good. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I've got a set of those on my list and I'm considering getting a second set, to be honest. Yeah. I just got so many jet bikes, I can't justify buying more. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got my Samhan Army, which is in a box right now, but my uh, Ibrasil, I've only, the only jet bikes I've got is one uh, unit of Skyrunners. So I was thinking about, uh, sorry, one unit of Shroud Runners. I was thinking about getting some Skyrunners, but. They might just get some more try runners. I think I think that's a solid enough choice, and they look really cool. And uh, just for you, I think it'd be fun to play with something different. Yeah, different meaning like all my armies have bikes. (laughs) (laughs) Another flavor. Different bikes that counts too, right? Yeah. And uh, speaking of bikes, uh, Vipers. I know this is a unit you've been really keen on, and uh, most competitive players are taking them, and I think they're great. Uh, regardless of sort of how you kit them out, I think it's, I think it's one of those things where you got to like look at your local meta and decide on what do you want. Do you want star cannons like say you're playing against like you know dark angels, custodies, normal space marines, um, world eaters, where you're trying to deal with 
like exalted eight, you know, eight bound, exalted eight bound, your typical custodies, death wing, uh, raven wing. Because these guys are great with shuriken cannons and lance, uh, star cannons. Or if you're playing against guard, you know, they're a great uh, bright lance platform. Yeah, and it, it, for me, it's the, the speed that they've got as well, and the, the ability to hide, because most of your heavy weapons platforms don't have the ability to, to hide and yeah. speed to get where they need to hide as well and pop out when they need to. So for that, that for me, is, is great. Yeah, I mean, they're 40 points a model, uh, yeah. 65 with lances. It's like 195 points for three with lances. I mean, yeah. it's easy. They're so cheap. Um, in, in single units you can take them so you take three single units or you can take three units of two and eight that's still still really good they still have a really small footprint yeah i really like them uh and I, like like i've been saying they're a great trading piece because they're so cheap um say you're going turn one against guardsmen you can just race out all of these vipers and just like bye bye rogaldorn you know yeah and, and and that for me is the, the great thing as well because you also use them as a sniper in the yeah. sense that you can buzz them really quickly next to a character and shoot that character. So it makes the the enemy then have to. I used to a lot with my flyers actually. I used to use my flyers not to to shoot other flyers or, or mass units. Is that as soon as I saw them place a, a HQ unit in the open or behind the lines, I just fly the fire up there be behind now it's the closest target so i can target it it was just great you can do a similar sort of thing with the vipers too yeah and to that like if you are taking uh shroud runners too you can use their redeploy in the scatter lasers to sort of clear screening units and yeah. then dump those well the rate the the long rifle shots into the character as well and then move the vipers in there like unload with shuriken cannons lances star cannons whatever yeah which 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 is your right uh, weapon choice of the moment do you think lances i mean for me yeah definitely for me uh but it, it depends if you're like in a sort of like imperial heavy meta where you're going to see more space marines more dark angels uh iron hands stuff like that world eaters <coughs> the the star cannons are not to be ignored but i don't know if you take enough lances you could sort of replicate the the star cannons to a large degree and yeah. if things have like minus one damage or something like that like bulgrins or just whatever uh dreadnoughts like the telemon dreadnought or whatever um yeah the lances are i don't know I, i've always just been a lance guy and they, like they're what i need in the game right now but the vipers have flexible enough options if you want to go star cannons get them a little cheaper or lances if you want to just go all in yeah yeah totally because I've, I've, I've always been the mind to have two shuriken cannons on them but you can't do that anymore because they've, they've changed it you can only take the uh oh the other one the under the underslung catapults right yeah that is can't do that, terrible yeah I, I was about to upgrade those last i was, I was about to make them last year and I'm, I'm glad i didn't because i was gonna do them with two shuriken cannons um so yeah so i i, I guess i kind of with you now like the lancers are probably where i want to go with it just have that opportunity target you know if you're doing a minimum of three damage with a shot that connects like yeah why not 
Yeah. I always forget about this and show my old hammer roots because for a while the Viper came with a metal underslung shuriken cannon. But I think because they stopped producing metal, that bit is not in there anymore. So no. that's a shame. Yeah, it really is. Because <laughs> they, they were great little boats to go around and do that with. Yeah. But, you know, like another option too, uh, and like for, for whatever reason, I think this is true of most Eldar players sort of link both of these units in our collective minds, but the war walkers, vipers and war walkers are sort of those harassing light vehicles that work really well in tandem together. And I think war walkers are great. Like I really, really regret not having like a full unit of war walkers. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've got the, um, uh, drawing a blank now, the, the wasps, the wasps. Yeah. They're so beautiful. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've managed to get those back, uh, last summer. They've been in my buddy's, uh, garage in Canada for the past five years. So I've managed to get them back. <laughs> so I'm going to repaint them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're great. Just great. Yeah, especially at the battle focus as well. So if you run into small units, it's really easy to like pop out, shoot and get back in again. Yeah. And they're only 55 points a model. Uh, lances are only 10. Star cannons are five. Or, no, no, no. Shuriken cannons are five. Star cannons are ten. And this is kind of like a weird thing. I don't know if anybody else feels like this, but AP is so over the top in the game right now. There's so many high, you know, high AP weapons. The five plus plus is almost like ridiculous. Like it's almost like better than, you know, the chassis of most vehicles. Yeah, it's crazy. Because when you see like a five plus in, but you uh, you're like your natural instinct is like, eh. but actually five plus info is great because it's so, like you say there's so much AP that nothing really has an, uh, an armor save anymore. But so if you've not got armor save, but you got five plus info, you're gonna save a third of your, your shots coming towards you. Yeah, and they're so cheap too. Um, so I really really like Warwalkers. Uh, I think if I wasn't so invested in having like a really sort of like cohesive skimmer based you know mechdar slash sam han style build i'd be like more into the war walkers but they sort of compromise just army cohesion for me so yeah. i tend not to favor them but if you don't want to go with like hornets or something like that and you're looking to maximize on getting as many lances or star cannons into a single force org choice like a single force org slot choice i think war walkers offer you like a lot of efficiency and they also aren't in the fast attack importantly they're in heavy <laughs> their greatest asset really is the fact not fast attack is we are really struggling to to not fill that yeah like especially even if you're like going more down the elites slot so you're taking your arcs of open detachment you're just loading up with aspect warriors or whatever like wraith guard whatever um you like you're gonna still be dipping into your fast attack to balance out the rest of your army and just three slots is not a lot so like the heavy slot for me is like the least used so it's a critical resource to try and exploit and the fact that war walkers are in squadrons is huge yeah yeah i think you are taking take them single or ones and twos or even up to threes it's it's it still doesn't cost much for what 55 points yeah uh, starting base I, that's really that's not a huge investment really at all yeah they've got the flexibility in terms of firepower 
like whether to you're dealing with custodies or you know guard vehicles or whatever uh, that you could sort of kit, kit them out for whatever your meta is. So I think they're definitely worth considering. And, or, you know, if I was more playing like my Umbral Watchers, which is my sort of a Latok themed guys, uh, yeah. I would definitely be looking at these right now. But it's all about speed right now for me. So Yeah. The thing, the thing I like about the, the, the recon move as well, which is a really, really good boom for them. Yeah. They add on to your movement shenanigans and just unpredictability overall. But they're a great choice. If you've got them, I would use them for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So uh, talk about other things that uh, can fill out your heavy uh, detachment D cannons. They, uh, they seem to be growing a bit of popularity right now. Yeah, they've sort of like come in and out of style sort of since 7th edition. And I think they're definitely definitely worth looking at i mean there's 65 points per model with those decans that is brutal firepower for 65 points yeah yeah they really do and i was uh i was listening to brent from craft world elder and he was, he was talking about he had somebody on his show and talking about them as well and just i i never think about this as an aldari player as much because i'm always on the offensive or think about maneuver but their ability to control the midboard is huge like just really be able to dominate quite a wide area so i think well 24 inch range and then uh you, you sit them on the edge of your, your deployment zone and you really can stop anybody coming to the midboard yeah i mean in just to run through their 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 line real quick so 24 inch range d3 shots strength 12 which is serious uh yeah. ap4 D6 plus 2 damage. Good. Uh, their artillery and uh, unmodified wound rolls of 6 inflict a single mortal wound. I mean, that mortal wound is just sort of nice to have. It's not, you're not banking on that. But yeah, that is vicious firepower. Yeah. And I'm right, I'm right there with you. Sort of like controlling the center of the board is not something I usually think about because I'm so fluid. Yeah. And like by the end of my games, I'm usually like in every corner of the board. Um, yeah. I usually give up the middle of the board, but with the way scoring works right now, uh, armies like Dark Angels, even Necrons, can just rack up the points, and those units yeah. can be very difficult to shift when they're just right in the middle of the board. Um, yeah. Decans are a great deterrent for that. Yeah, you just just having a threat, they may. They, they may not kill anything, but the fact that they are there, con, sort of con, controlling that space, is, is a potentially huge you know, game winner. They're yeah, I think so too. They're a great unit that you could sort of phantasm around as well. Where if you want them to hang back and just target the midfield, like the, just the center of the board, you could just you know be very protective and cautious with them but you could also move them right up to the edge of your deployment zone and sort of be targeting the outer fringe of your opponent's deployment zone, trying to pick up stuff like Imperial Guard Executioners, which are the plasma tanks for them, which are a bane for yeah. Craft World Eldar, a bane. Yeah, so I'm taking a second look at these. I've never, this is probably one unit. I don't own. I think I've got everything else uh, of the main line, Eldari line. But uh, yeah, I've, I've taken a second look at these because changing my play style a little bit for, to, to counter that middle board. 
I, they're awesome, classic, classic models. If, you know, back in the day, like second edition players, like everybody, I, I still have like my second edition decanted platforms. Oh, the uh, metal ones. Yeah. Yeah, yep. beastie. Yeah, but the new ones are gorgeous. I've actually, actually, just a slight hobby tangent. I actually want to bits order a uh, decanted platform just to get the cannon. I'm going to use that on my uh, Wraith Knight as his heavy Wraith cannon. I thought that would be cool. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the way that we both think of them as being the new ones, but they're probably about 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Grognard's status is truly upon us. <laughs> how, how to date yourself. <laughs> I know. Jesus Christ. It's bad, man. Oh, boy. There's like probably some people... <laughs> oh, God. They like, they weren't even alive. For those that also think of them as being the new ones, yeah, welcome to our club. <laughs> yes. So, uh, speaking of Grognard units, uh, the Falcon. We've been talking about the Falcon uh, last episode as well. But uh, Falcon is great. I think the Falcon is absolute mainline battle tank once again, which was crazy to say because they were yeah. so bad for so long. What's well, that ability to deep strike isn't it, on turn one? It's just <clears throat> it's, it's our own drop pod that we've not really had before, and to have that is just fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, the pulse laser, strength nine, you know, D3 plus three damage, you know, AP, I think it's AP three, just like, yeah, yeah, it trades a point of AP with the Bright Lands. Really good. Mm. So it's a unique weapon profile, and those pulse lasers are hard to get. It's only them and the Crimson Hunter that have them. So uh, that, that for me is a very in interesting break point. Because with Imperial Guard being, you know, one of my main opponents, and I think I'm absolutely convinced they are going to be one of the top contenders all the way to the end of ninth edition. Uh, rolling threes to wound those vehicles is huge because you got to remember this isn't like the old days where you could guide and doom all of your vehicles. Like, yeah, the, the vehicles are just doing it on their own. So threes to wound, really, really important. It also saves your fate dice for other units so you could guarantee those wounds. So I really like yeah. them. Yeah, really cool. And you, you, we're talking about, uh, I think you've convinced me to get some for my Corsairs actually to, to bring them down and drop them down the uh, in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, sixes to auto, uh, sixes auto wound with Corsairs, similar to the Hawks. The Hawks have dramatically more firepower uh yeah. but still uh i really like them as quick objective grabbing unit that can provide some decent anti-infantry ranged firepower and uh, i think they work really well with the falcon and they're really fluffy corsairs and a falcon yeah sure. yeah and fairly expendable at that point as well aren't they? they they can do their objective shenanigans do some shooting if they if they kill something as well that's a bonus but yeah, really, yeah, uh, really quite cool. Yeah, they're 50 points for unit yeah. five. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah. So. It's a distraction. They're a great 55-point distraction unit because as soon as they're in the enemy's backyard, they have to do second pattern. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'd rather them shoot at my Corsairs than, like, my Howling Banshees, you know? Yeah. But I think the key thing there is to... When that happens, make sure the other the, the opponent has other threats to, to worry about as well. Otherwise, they'll, they'll just go. 
Yeah, I mean, eventually we'll do like an. Ep- this would be a good episode. Maybe we could do this next time, but just about like how to coordinate an Eldar attack, because like the 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 real way that you win, I mean, in forty k in general, but very very certainly when it comes to craft world Eldar is movement and deployment. Um, yeah. Because I've never really thought that in an alpha strike, it's always about the beta strike for me. It's always getting into position in the first turn, yeah, and then striking in the second or third turns. It's all about turn two. Uh, which is why I usually like to go second in a game is because I like you got to play into that sort of like reactive nature of Crawford Eldar because you have enough speed to sort of set the pace in your turn no matter what. Yeah. Um, but it's all about turn two. That's when everything's getting out of their wave serpents, their falcons. You're in <clears throat> position to to like really lay down uh, priority shots. So, uh, Corsairs and Falcon really play into that well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. I'm going to get one. <laughs> yeah. Cool deal, man. I'm, I'm excited. That'll look gorgeous in your scheme, too. Yeah. That, yeah. The Void Dragons, I've, I've always wanted to do them. They're, they're very popular at one stage. Uh, so, I didn't, I didn't want to follow the other popular guys, but and they're not so popular. I'll, I'll take them. <laughs> yeah. You know what would be actually kind of cool, dude? I, I'm sure you remember the classic box art for the Falcon, that classic image the, of the Oldway Falcon. Yeah, yeah. With, with the black pulse laser. Yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I think I, I had one painted up by that once. Yeah. Back in the day. In fact, I've still got uh, an Oldway Viper with like the yellow um lightning bolt going through it yeah yeah, yeah. That. That, was, that looks so cool and with those new void dragon court uh transfers oh i need to I, I need to get hold of some i can't find any uh the transfers you didn't get any no no there's there's a couple of void dragon ones on the um on the new decal sheet but it's only like two i want the uh the full-on ones to go on the um uh, on the vehicle yeah if That's... anyone knows where I get those from, please let me know. Oh, man. I think that there's high-res scans of those. Uh, and I think Fallout Hobbies might have a recreation of the original Corsair ones. Because that had a huge, like, we'll, we'll be getting into this soon, like, Scorpion, Cobra, Lynx-style Void Dragon glyph on there. Uh, yeah, I could do one of those. Yes. Actually, there's some people on Instagram I could probably hit up and see. Yeah, um, that'd be great. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy, I think that was like an old Splinter Mind listener, I think has some. I'll, I'll try and I'll, I'll look through and see if I can find him. Yeah, sweet man. Thanks. Yeah. So, speaking of Forge World, uh, let's talk about Forge World because I yeah. think a lot of these units are really worth talking about. Um, I think they offer a lot of unique weapon profiles, just cool data sheets in general. <coughs> and I mean, obviously, I I'll, won't talk too much about Hornets, but because uh, <laughs> like, we've already sort of gone over them. But uh, but I do have like just in the notes, just some details about like what are the interesting trade offs between them and Vipers, because it's a very. No, the- I think I think it's a thing worth discussing actually, because yeah, you, I always go for way conversations with you and go I. I want to buy some Hornets. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I know a lot of people own them, but I never see anybody talk about them. And maybe it's just because I love them so much, but, uh, you know, I think they're great. Actually, let, let's just let's just go over that since we're talking about it right now. So the Hornets are 110 points each with a Lance. 
uh, with double lances. Um, yeah, they got 18-inch movement, so they're as fast as a jet bike. Toughness six, eight wounds. It's kind of a lot. It's a it's a very good defensive profile, especially with their minus one to hit. That's a really good wound and toughness point. Really good. Yeah, because you could sort of pick up, uh, <coughs> you know, your vipers with. There's a lot of guns that can pick up vipers very very easily. So I mean, you could take them out with like you know a lot of like your standard anti-infantry weapons, but where it's just sort of tip it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They're really cool. They're, 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 they're a beautiful looking model as well. That's uh, they, they really hit the mark with those ones. Yeah, they're a great looking model too. And the, like, although they're wide, they're low in terms yeah. of like where they sit on the board. And mm-hmm. so... They could sort of hide behind a lot of terrain pieces that the Viper might sort of uh, peek up above. Um, But the the Vipers are more narrow, so you could sort of tuck them a little bit more easily into, you know, behind like various terrain pieces. But um, I think the I think the ideal loadout for them are squads of two. um, Just from like just to hide them. Okay. And they sort because of you struggle. You struggle because of the footprint if you go above two. Yeah, like the third one is usually like really hard to hide. You're gonna like so if you put like uh, two hornets sort of like back to front, they're relatively easy to hide, especially with their low profile. Uh, but when you get the third one, it's either gonna go either like on the left or the right, or you're gonna have mm. to you know have like a huge string of them. At that point, they're very difficult to hide. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I guess <clears throat> when you compare them to the Vipers, I guess that um, I, I really like Viper, but if you're going to go for more than two Vipers, you might as well go for Horn at that point. I think so too, um, because you're you're doubling up on the firepower, and you're also getting better Force Org economy because you're yeah. like if you if you're really trying to get lances into your build. Uh, I feel like they are better from a force org chart economy standpoint as well. And stuff like their minus one to hit also gives you CP uh, efficiency as well. Uh, So you're not having to do lightning fast on them. They're just zipping around, carrying it wherever they go. Um, But, I mean, you could always take a mix of both too. Yeah, 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 very true. I think... I think Vipers work really well. So if you if you do go for Vipers and Hornets, I think Vipers going right in singles probably work out better. Yeah. Because you, you can really hide them then, and then the, and the, the Hornets then going right in pairs. It just like, seems like the sweet spot to me. Yeah, they're very good in Swift Strikes. <clears throat> they're very good in Swift Strikes and Children of the Open Skies, where yeah. they're going up to like 21-inch movement. Uh, so really strong. Yeah, yeah. I think I might treat myself to some of those. <laughs> Dude, you should. They're yeah. they're really, really solid. Um, and they're a gorgeous looking unit. And I, you know, for me, their size and their firepower, like, to me, they're almost like a better Falcon because they're cheaper. Uh, they give you that firepower that you're really looking for. Like, the Pulse Laser is great. Love to have it. But like most of the time, all I really want is two lances, and I don't feel like you know like what is it? a falcon? It's like one hundred and sixty-five points. 
Yeah. So so I think the the Vipers and the Hornets have two things in common. Is sorry, the, the main thing in common is that they are focused at what they do. Yeah. Uh, I think the the Falcon has the um, because it's got the troop carrying capacity, which is a bit of a distraction from it being a main tank. It's it's a it's a bit of both, isn't it? Really. Yeah. And if you take the Falcon, you almost you're like, I'm paying for this transport capacity. I should probably look to exploit that if you want to get maximum value yeah. for you know your points. But like the Hornets sort of take that out of the equation. And, and they you, don't degrade either, do they? No, they're not degrading. Yeah, which is which is really nice as well. And if you're playing like in Crusade or you're playing, uh, you know, power level or whatever, uh, all the upgrades on them are brilliant. So like uh, uh, star engines, uh, crystal targeting matrix, all that kind of vectored engines are huge on Vipers or on Hornets because the Vipers actually can't take any of that stuff. So for all the narrative bros out there, uh, the Hornets also get the benefit of getting all those vehicle upgrades for free. So Hornets... Really, really solid. Um, and just in terms, like, I, I feel like this is something that we're really going to be talking a lot about as Arcs of Omen continues, but Force Org chart economy is really huge. And, like, one of my other picks is the Lynx. Um, I think you get a ton of value and a lot of Force Org economy on this. So, the Lynx is 220 points, 10 points for a Lance. It's movement 18, so it is crazy fast. And it auto-advances 12. Yeah, that's huge. So you're moving like over 30 inches, uh, especially if you're taking Children of the Open Skies. And it has a 5-plus invulnerable invulnerable save. So uh, it's got, I think it has like 18 wounds or something like that. So really, really solid. But I mean, the, the main reason you're taking it is it's gun. So it's heavy six, strength nine, AP three, damage three. Uh, it's expensive, but you're getting more than twice the firepower of a fire prism or a falcon in a single yeah. force org chart or force org slot. So it's crazy fast. It's got that juicy strength nine profile, and uh, it's tough. And you can reserve it for free now in Arcs of Omen. Yeah, that's great. Especially being able to come on and still move, what, 30 inches? That's uh, that, that threatens everything. It's crazy. I mean, originally in the lore, it was like it could also operate as a flyer. So yeah, they've yeah. represented that really, really well. And I mean, this thing just flies. Hmm. It's definitely a scaling thing, isn't it? From like Vipers to Hornets to, to Lynx. There's a great scaling thing, depending on where you want to sit. Yeah. I think it's great, um, and like the the challenge for me is like uh, you know do you, like the the fire prisms like to really get the most out of them you need multiple, and you're giving up terrain pieces to sort of hide them, and you know they're I mean that's a big unit like the 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 fire prism is tall it's broad, um, the links is you know it's it's. It's not really that much broader than like uh, you know any of the Falcon chassis, and it's so low to the ground. It's crazy. It's actually weird when you put oh, it really? on the table. Yeah, dude. It's like it's about like a head shorter than like the Falcon or the Wave Serpent. And oh, okay. I, it's like it's one of those things where you have to play with it to really see, but yeah. it is very easy to hide. So. Hmm. 
you can give it a piece of terrain to hide behind, but you could also just, you know, walk it on the board in reserves yeah. and lay down some crazy firepower. I, I think for me that's the, that's the thing now, especially with like Arc of Omens and not being able to, sorry, not being costing you anything to to keep it reserved. This is very much that that feeds into that beta strike, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a great beta strike unit, and uh, its weapon profile is very very unique. Like I think people should try to like if you can manage to get some strength nine into your list, you should. And that flat three damage is really really juicy. I think three damage is the sweet spot really for me right now. It is, because it's great against tanks, it's great against heavy infantry like custodies, and it also gets around the minus one damage, too. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that for me is, is, is the key one, really. That minus one damage down against that uh, is floating around. Hmm. Yeah. And it's going to cost my wallet quite a bit, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. This is why I got, like, I got all of this stuff over a long period of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as as we progress through this, I'm like, oh, maybe I want to get that instead. Maybe I want to get that instead. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, because if you're debating between this and the scorpion, like the scorpion is like 500 points. I think the cobra is 450. Yeah, and the lynx is like 220. So, and you don't like with with the scorpion. I'll just go through the scorpion real quick. Uh, it's. 500 points, movement 14, TA, 26 wounds. Uh, it's got 3 plus armor, 5 plus invulnerable. Five plus invulnerable. Um, its gun is 60 inches, heavy 12, strength 12, AP 4, damage 3. So it's, it's a ton of wounds. It's great to come out of reserves. It's almost three fire prisms worth of firepower. But yeah. just in terms of like volume of shots and quality of shots, I think it doesn't quite outdo the links in terms of just raw efficiency. <clears throat> but yeah. it's still very good. Yeah, and I, and I guess for me, um, I'm always thinking about economy of shots as well. Like I, I don't necessarily want to put 12... Of that level of shooting into a five-man squad potentially yeah well if i've got two links instead which that's the point equivalent of it allows that flexibility to shoot one and if that wasn't off then shoot the other as opposed to having to put all your load into one yeah and if you take the two links you could start one on the board bring one mm. out of reserves you know um but I, I definitely think the the twenty six wounds is friggin' huge with a five plus and vulnerable save and toughness eight. So it's basically like a wraith knight in terms of toughness. Yeah. So it's not totally clear cut, and I think that like just defensively, uh, it's worth looking at because I feel like if your opponents are really familiar with your army, like they're like, oh, it's, everything's toughness seven. Scorpion does tip it a bit. I mean, that is a ton of wounds. Yeah. So, but just in terms of offense, I think the Lynx is more efficient. But if you want to take a Scorpion, I don't think you're making a bad choice. No, and I and I think these units, we've showed that they, they scale all the way here. We've, we've been talking from to Viper, to Hornet, to, to Lynx, and then Scorpion or Cobra. And it's just, there is that scaling thing. It depends where you want to go. And sometimes taking the bigger thing can just offset people as well. Because yeah. 
I think most people, as we was briefly mentioned earlier, are, are tipping towards more anti-infantry stuff. But then, if you then bring this big, big tank in that they have to deal with, which makes it a bit more difficult. Or if you take two links, that makes it more difficult too. I think so too. I think that's like a really important point. It's like one of those things that you can't really. It doesn't show up in the stats, so to speak. Um, like in baseball, there's this term for pitchers. It's called giving them a different look. Um, so you could have like a pitcher throws like a you could have a whole staff of pitchers who throw like a hundred miles an hour, but if you face that team over and over and over again, you can catch up to that fastball. So you need something like you know like a splitter, like an off speed pitch, to yeah. to just force your opponent to like make different decisions, especially in like the you know the list building phase. Um, so I I do think giving your opponent a different look is underrated especially for Eldar, uh, where they expect you to be fragile. And stuff like your Wraith Knights, your Scorpions, stuff like that, uh, it gives you some much-needed durability that I think is yeah. valuable. Yeah, and, and, and something a bit more interesting as well. Just, just it's always I always find it fascinating to see somebody bring something different to the table. Yeah, I, I think so too. It makes for a more interesting game. And uh, I think it, like, between games it keeps you guessing like hey you know i can't take this guy's like list building for granted if he has like a broad and varied collection uh that alone uh like going into your next game could give you an advantage yeah especially if you're playing the same people all the time as well the same group being a guy who turns up with random stuff every time that can still do the similar sort of things or fill that niche within your army uh is a great place to be yeah, and I think it also makes things fun for you, like, you know, players as a hobbyist, too. It's it's fun to, like, reward yourself with special models, have stuff that's, like, apocalypse-ready, like a scorpion, because, it, and just, like, you know, in apocalypse, that range, that 60-inch range is huge. Yeah, Because really Eldar sort of cap out at, like, 36 on the whole. And the Lynx, what is it? I think the Lynx has a 48-inch range, which is actually a little bit uncommon for Eldar, but that's nothing for most armies. You know, 48 inches is your standard LAS cannon, and everybody's yeah. got those. So, Yeah, we tend to dominate the mid-range, but not the, the long range. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and like, for me, I'm like a guy that really looks to go 30, 36 inches out or further if possible yeah. that's why i also like the pulse laser because i believe it's 48 inches so yeah, that's good. yeah so should we talk about someone who's definitely not dominating the the long range <laughs> oh the uh mr wraith seer yeah yeah i think the wraith seer is a uh, is a good choice i know it's been popular for quite a while before the craft world codex dropped people were really leaning heavy into wraith seers but i i think they're definitely worth taking now still um yeah. Uh, yeah, my my buddy, uh, he does a, a different YouTube channel called uh, Glass Half Dead. He he gave me one of these actually. So really, uh, it's on my uh, it's on my to do list. Yeah. Oh, it's a great model um, and very good on the table too. So 130 points uh, stock, 40 points for a D cannon. I definitely think the D cannon is worth taking, uh, or you know, 10 to 20 points for the other he heavy weapons. So. Yeah. What's important to note about the Wraith Seer is that it's in the heavy slot. So again, 
this is good uh, force org chart economy. So if you're going heavy on elites, heavy, heavy on fasts, uh, you're going to have flexibility because even me, who's filling up the, all the fastest slots, I'm also filling up all the elite slots and I don't have room for a Wraith Lord in my list. But because the Wraith Seer is in the heavy slot, I do because I'm not filling up those slots. So he's, he's useful in that way. And I, I also think it's worth mentioning if you're looking at uh, the D-Cannons, uh, looking at Wraith Seers, I mean, I, like, I don't think that a the Warp Hunter is an optimal choice right now, unfortunately. But just say you wanted to go down that road. You can have a lot of uh, artillery fire from your Eldar. Um, yeah. The D cannons are nasty. Yeah, it's, uh, again, it, it plays back into that sort of that, that, that backfield sort of uh, domination for me. Or even if you use this in combination with something like the uh, Webway Gate as well. Oh, yeah, because you can walk them out into engagement range, too. Yeah. And then the nice thing about having it in the, in the heavy slot as well, because, yeah, like you, I, I really struggle without this fast attack in the, the elite slots. It's, it's it's really crowded. So, yeah, great little alternative. I need to uh, to push this one up the uh, the painting. Yeah, he's great. I've got one fully painted. I definitely plan on playing him soon. Uh, he's a psyker, too, which is worth remembering. Uh goes off of uh, Runes of Battle. So yep. it's a good way to get those Warlock powers in there if you don't feel like taking Warlocks. Um, he's a good efficiency unit because you get great combat power out of him. The, uh, his spear is Strength 9, D3 plus 3, uh, which is awesome. So he's basically like a Bright Lance in combat. He's got wow. four attacks. He hits like a freight train in combat. And with the D cannon... I mean, he can pretty much take out like all the heaviest targets between shooting and combat, like by himself, and he can buff yeah. some units as he goes in, or he can just do smite. So, ZT8 as well. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's quite the piece, isn't he? It's quite quite easy to hide as well because it's quite a small model now. I remember when these things used to be big, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they they're quite small on the battlefield these days. Yeah, they're slender. They're really not that tall, so. Uh, big fan of the Wraith Seer. Big fan of the Wraith Lord, actually, in general. Um, mm. Definitely interested in running a uh, Wraith host at some point. So Wraith Seer is a great option. Again, like giving your opponent a different look, a sort of trailing, counterattacking unit that can shoot out of line of sight, cast psychic powers, and hits really hard in combat. And yeah. he has been FAQ'd to have like the new... Uh, Ghost Warrior rules, so he has minus one damage too. Yeah, that's that's really good. So very <laughs> solid choice. I, f I feel like he's like a good unit you could just sort of drop in there. He synergizes well with like units like the Avatar, who's become surprisingly popular. Should have probably put him on the list to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just thinking about him actually. I was staring up at my um, my, my collection. Ooh, let's, uh, let's make sure we talk about the Avatar next time. Yeah, yeah. Well. We could just talk about the Avatar just for the hell of it. He deserves his own segment, no matter what episode <laughs> yeah. we're doing. So yeah, everybody wants to have the Avatar on the list, really, don't they? Especially that new Avatar model. He's absolutely amazing looking. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, I mean, that sort of does it for uh, these sort of offbeat choices that are that we think are are worth a second look. Uh, I think it really speaks to 
I mean, we could have added like a bunch of other units too, but I think it just, it speaks to the breadth of choices. Um, and Craftworld have been blessed with a really great codex and great Forge World offerings this edition. So, yeah, we, we, we really are sport for choose to throw actually. And if you're still dragging through the depths of the codex and bringing some pretty solid choices out of this, we are, we are very blessed with what we have. Yeah, I think like the only unit I really would even take a look at this edition is probably Dark Reapers. And I think even they could fill a niche if you really wanted to. Storm Guardians? Yeah. Yeah, the Storm Guardians are pretty crappy, but uh, I actually don't think they're absolutely horrible. Uh, like, depending on like who you're going up against, uh, just say you're going up against like, play like against a lot of guard. <clears throat> Not a bad choice for anti-infantry combat. Like guard don't want no, to deal with that. Yeah, that, that, that that's fair. I think uh, they're just they're just overshadowed by some pretty stellar options. Yeah. Close combat regime, aren't they? Yeah, I mean you're gonna want to invest those points in stuff that's actually gonna do something like scorpions and uh, banshees. But it'd be interesting to see if we could get them to work. Yeah. Uh, maybe next edition. Yeah. There's always next edition, right, guys? Always next edition. Let's go around quick. But, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's keep going with this edition. It's been well, it's been great to chat through those. And I, I think my uh, my wallet is screaming out right now as I'm contemplating <laughs> one of these options that you've, you've talked me into going for. Yeah, guys. So let us know if there's anything that you, that we've missed, uh, anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. And uh hope this gives you guys some food for thought and uh, exploring the uh, full arsenal that Vol's made available to us. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, I, I guess we'll see you all next time. All right. Next time, guys. Later. Bye-bye. <laughs>